You're listening to a podcast from Capital 100.4 FM. Interactive Government is a show where government policies are explained so you, the listener, gets a better understanding. Interactive Government on Startup Capital every Wednesday at 8:30 a.m. only on Capital 100.4 FM. Harare's heartbeat. It is a good morning to you, Mr. Mangwana. It's a pleasure to have you on the program as always. Hi, Rumbi. How are you doing? I am very well, thank you. Very because well, I, thank you. I enjoyed you talking about dressing because I understand the general. You are going to pick a five-piece suit, I imagine. My way, my way, my way. Na matumbayo, na mayo. Name it, isn't it? We need to see a picture, Mr. Pierce. We need to see a picture. More poster and tag us. Next time, to go streamer. I love that. That is a great idea. Yes, absolutely. And we can reach more people. Great stuff, great stuff. So this morning, we want to talk about government and NGO relationships. God, you are so inspired. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, you picked up, you picked this topic, and then yesterday, cabinet, bang! I know. He's talking about NGO. There you go. But anyway, what do you want to know? We want to know everything. I mean, we saw obviously that there was an uh, an approval of the amendments to the PVO Act. But before we yeah. get to that. Let's look at the ideal picture. How are relations between government and NGOs or PVOs or CSOs, if you like, what are they supposed to be like in an ideal world? In an ideal world, which is not even utopian, the relationship between government and NGOs should be out of partners. Um, And in Zimbabwe, we tend to use um, the name development partner. That's the phrase, development partner. So we are partners to develop our country. What it is like is um, generally there is what they call a social contract between the government and its citizenship and its citizenry. Uh, we do run into places where government leaves leaves some gaps in the provision of services to the citizenry, and development partners come and stand in those gaps because most of them actually specialize a lot on certain themes. So that's how it's supposed to be. But the people with the ultimate mandate and obligation to develop the country, to provide services and so forth, is government. But these guys, the the PVOs, come in and help government deliver to the citizenry where there are gaps. For example, the 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 ones that are help with food um, to the vulnerable, then there are some NGOs that help that that deal with issues of um, say um, child marriages. They specialize in that in that in that uh, space, and they partner government because at the end of the day, the people that are supposed to implement the law uh, give a way forward and ensure everyone is safe, including those children who are being given in marriage. Is government. But then government has got so much else to do. Sometimes there are spaces that's left unattended and these people stand in that gap and partner government. In general, that's how the relationship should be. There have been some accusations in that vein that um, there's stifling of, of, of NGO work. The development partners are not able to do their work. Is there any truth to these allegations from your standpoint as a government? No, there is no reason why if... NGOs are sticking to their mandate. Um, why government would be would even consider um, what people are calling stifling? 
I mean, let's imagine, let's go to the issue of the um, child marriage is so-called and sexual abuse. Why would you think in God's name government would stand in anyone's way who is trying to pro- to, to capture and protect those kids or those children that would have come out of these abusive relationships? Let's talk about women that they, 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 when we are dealing with uh, domestic violence, TV. So, say an NGO sets out some shelters, sets up some shelters for these women, which are places of refuge for uh, for women who would have been victims of domestic abuse. Why would you think government would interfere with such people at all? Why? The problem starts when people come under the guise of an NGO, a development partner, then start meddling in politics, start propping certain political parties and pushing certain political agendas, some which are not even um, domestic, but they when they start working as proxies for certain foreign powers, of course, they are going to fall foul of the laws of the land and therefore also fall foul of government. And, and and you say that they um you you see okay you said something about um these these development partners or NGOs perhaps uh, working and and being underpinned for a an undisclosed purpose or going against their mandate could you kindly explain that to us in terms of what 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 outlines their mandate is this what necessitated the amendment to the PVO uh, Act. Okay, basically, NGOs are registered by the Ministry of Labor and Social Welfare. So when they are registered, they give an object clause. Object clause. They basically say what they are going to do. And because government sees these as partners, it will agree to register them. But then they detract from that from the um, purpose they are set up for and start serving another purpose. That's what we're talking about. But you also asked the double-edged um, double question. You asked about the amendment to the PVO Act. No, the, it, it wasn't prompted by this. It was prompted by a need to close a gap. Zimbabwe is considered is about to be considered a very risky country in terms of um, uh, its um, vulnerability to money laundering and cleaning of terrorism money. Terrorists are trying to move money from one jurisdiction to another to an area to, 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 to the place where they need to they want to uh, commit their atrocities. It's very difficult right now, in, especially in Western countries and other developed countries, to do to move money. But because Zimbabwe was not strict in that regard, people can move money through Zimbabwe very easily. And one of the ways people can move money through Zimbabwe for nefarious purposes is through NGOs. So you just open an NGO, uh, you know, start an NGO in Zimbabwe, say you are sending money from, uh, say, Qatar, uh, or any other country for that matter, and then you send that money to Zimbabwe uh, for an NGO purpose, and that money eventually is siphoned for other purposes, is used for other purposes, maybe it ends up um, funding uh, um, Al-Shabaab, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, and so forth. That's where the problem is. So for Zimbabwe as a member um, of international institutions against money laundering, it should be seen that its um, legislative regime is tight enough to protect people from this money laundering. What is actually happening in Zimbabwe is going in harmony with any other country because in other countries you can't just move money as well. Um, I try to bring my own money 
10,000 pounds from the United Kingdom. I ran into serious problems because they wanted to see my bank statements to see where the money came from, how the money entered my account, and how the money left my account, and whether I had got that money through legitimate um, enterprise. That's exactly what Zimbabwe is doing to ensure that the, our territory and jurisdiction is not used to clean dirty money, including drugs money, among others, you know, um, dirty monies. But the NGO was seen as a point of weaknesses where some of that money is cleaned through. And in, in moving forward and, and I suppose achieving these ends, how do you believe that these NGOs can actually contribute positively then to national development? Actually, most of them do, um, to be fair to them. In my space, which is the com- in communication, we have what we are calling the um, risky communication, communication and community engagement uh, subsector in the, in the COVID-19 task force. We work very closely with NGOs. They are our partners in every sense. I hardly disperse fuel to our districts because the fuel that they are using to go and engage with the communities that my officers go around with and the police go, actually comes from the NGOs. Some of the messaging is coming from the NGOs. So we partner very well in that space. There is no problem whatsoever. And many others, the Minister of Health works very closely, again, with NGOs. Right now, we are about to launch a community radio station in um, in, in, in Money Money, which is um, funded by the by UNESCO. Obviously, UNESCO is not really an NGO because we, we, are, we are a member state of the United Nations. But regardless, we we allowed the women, they, they, they did that for that community because that community is vulnerable to uh, to, to cyclones and so on. We appreciate the role they play. We appreciate when they help feed and everything. We don't just appreciate when they come under the guise of NGO to prop opposition politics or to even just get to meddle in politics. It's just not their space. We're simply saying their space is that of development partners. And we appreciate them when they come into that space very, very much. When they, when, when they help um, us drill bores to vulnerable people or for vulnerable people, when they help us rehabilitate um, irrigation schemes for women, um, when they help us, you know, uh, get uh, kids from, uh, you know, who who be involved in drugs back into the mainstream society, rehabilitate them and get them to, to, for, 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 you know, to be corporate good citizens rather, we appreciate them. When those kids are going back to school, when they are reunited with their families and so on, and NGOs do play this role, we appreciate them as government. Very important, and thank you for clarifying that one. Um, there were some questions that uh, came in, I believe, last week. There's uh, the hot one on the Nyatime stands that you promised to yes. answer for our listeners this week. Um, so the floor is yours. Okay. Now, what... Um, I have here is that the Minister of Local Government, um, Honorable July Moyo, has instructed Manyame, RDC, and Chitunguiza Municipality to create a joint committee to address the Manyame saga. This was put in place three weeks ago. The initial challenge was that the Minister of Lands had also allocated the same land to A2 farmers. And unfortunately, part of that same land is the one that was allocated to individuals for residential purposes. So the plan going forward is that there is going to be a meeting uh, on Thursday, uh, that's tomorrow, the 2nd of September, 
That's correct. Where the minister of local government will proclaim the final position on the stance beneficiaries. So we expect a, a, a clear way forward from the minister of local government tomorrow when there is this meeting that will take place. Because on one hand, they are supposed to be A2 farm, farms for agricultural purposes. On another hand, they are supposed to be residential stands for um, uh, residence purposes. But now the two the, the, the stakeholders and the ministers involved need now to clearly chart a way forward. Thank you for that. So we will be um, keeping tabs on that for that meeting on Thursday. And um, uh, um, there was also another question, but I believe we can roll it over to next week as we're fast running out of time. It was um, on a listener wanted to find out uh, on the resuscitation and operations of uh, CSC and Air Zimbabwe, uh, looking at the judicial management as part of uh, parastatal reform. I can try to do Air Zimbabwe very quickly, but uh, it's, 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 the response is longer than the, our, our... I see. And it might not um, pay, pay, right, pay justice to, to the question. But, but, but please go ahead. Um, if you would like to perhaps give us some bullet points and then we can take it up next week. So basically, let me start with um, CSC. The resuscitation of CAC is still on course. But what, the, what boasted beef is alleging is that um, when they negotiated with the government they, for, for the partnership, the g- government was under the impression that CS, most of CSC's um, assets were intact. But when Boston went on the ground, they discovered that some of the assets were defunct, some were, had been stripped off, some were no longer relevant, some, were, some had been uh, attached by different creditors which changed the book value of what was there. So what they are doing is now sifting through all that information, trying to see what actually is, is viable at CSC. But as I'm talking right now, they are in the process of revamping Vlawai, um depots, if I would call it it's that, um, or the, 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 the abattoir in, in Vulawayo. So after Vulawayo, they are saying they are going to, you know that famous one which I'm known for, Mashingo. <laughs> <laughs> So they will go to Mashingo, and they expect to be in Mashingo by mid-year, but these deadlines tend to come back to hound me. But the, the long and the short of it is something is already happening. There are people on the ground. Probably the timelines that we had set are not, are, have not been achieved, but the resuscitation of CSC is still on the agenda and is, is on course. Now, regarding Air Zimbabwe, I would do more justice to give a more comprehensive answer to this one because I would want to go down to, tell, to be telling the, your audience how many planes are in service, how many are being written down and decommissioned, how many are on list and which ones and what, and what they plan and, and how many employees there are, which is a longer conversation. Please allow me to roll this over, but I'm ready with the response. Uh, I think that will be in order. We certainly can give you that latitude to give us a, a more comprehensive answer next week. But before we let you go, if you will allow me, there's just a quick question that's been asked here around um, the uh, licensing of television stations. Uh, so very eager listener wanting to know when these new television stations are set to start beaming out and broadcasting. I think that's a brilliant question, um, and thank you uh, to, to your listening audience. Right, if 
the law says that um, when a television station has, give, has been given a license, they have got 18 months to go live. So um, this is the this is the space they have to start beaming. And as you as many would know, the television business is a very capital intensive. You need to build studios, equip them, bring in cameras, employ people, and so forth. So it's taking long. But I'm, I'm sure um, your station that you're working for should be broadcasting in around November. Um, you know, the other station that you work for, Rumbi. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, 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 and others have also said that they in the um, first part of, first half of next year, they should be starting broadcasting. But everyone, everyone is working tirelessly to make sure that they are ready to go live. And we can't wait. Once we love the ZBC, we think alternatives are also very welcome. And we'll, with the audience, the Zimbabwean people would love those. It's so refreshing to hear that um, coming from you. And we also uh, are waiting uh, for those developments. Again, we first run out of time. There was another question perhaps that we can roll over around a parent who's interested in getting their 15-year-old vaccinated and they're wondering when the vaccination program for the 14 to 17-year-olds will start. Well, the short answer is it's on right now. Um, but where and how it works, I may need to get that, those details because it appears that the uh, parent did not get any joy, some joy from somewhere. Okay. So let me let me look at how the program is rolling out, and then I will tell them. But definitely, we are on as we speak. Fantastic. That is in order. It is always a pleasure. We appreciate your time and your kanja on the program every single Wednesday. Thank you so much for being with us this morning, Mr. Mangwana. I appreciate from me. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. Have a good day. Interactive Government is a show where government policies are explained so you, the listener, gets a better understanding. Interactive Government on Startup Capital every Wednesday at 8.30 a.m. only on Capital 100.4 FM. Harare's Heartbeat.